Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive, a ministry of the Bethany Fellowship of Churches. We live in a world where time is a precious commodity. One of the avenues for reviving our souls is the necessary commute to and from the many places our schedules take us. As the wheels of the car begin to turn, join our panel and set the wheels of your mind in motion as you consider the significance and impact of theology on everyday life. Let's listen in as our pastors talk theology. Welcome to Revive the Drive. My name is Daniel Bennett. I'm joined today with uh, Rich Burkle and Art Georges. How are you guys doing today? Excellent. We're excited to talk about our union with Christ with you today. I'm excited about it as well, Rich. I was actually talking with someone at church about two weeks ago, and they were telling me about what they were studying in Scripture. They were going through the book of Colossians, and they said, yeah, I've been listening to Rich's old sermons on the internet whenever he preached through Colossians. And so I I asked him if he had got to the portion of, well, actually, the first thing I said to him is, why are you listening to Rich's sermons instead of mine? (laughs) And then the the second thing I said to him was, uh, have you gotten to the part where Rich challenges people to memorize? Do you remember what it was? What you challenged people to memorize when we were going through Colossians several years ago? Uh, Colossians 3. Yeah, Colossians 3. And he said, yes, I've done that. I've gotten to that point, and I've, I've memorized Colossians 3, and uh, I, I did too. And uh, Rich, uh, whenever I memorized uh, Colossians 3, those, those first three verses, four verses, were, were really crucial, I think, in helping my sanctification. In verse 1, we read, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And so that's that's describing our union with Christ and the very practical effects that the fact that we've been united with Christ has on our, our salvation, our sanctification. Uh, John Murray wrote that union with Christ is the central truth of the whole doctrine of salvation. It's not simply a phase of application of redemption. It underlies every aspect of redemption. Mm-hmm. Another commentator said, once you have your eyes open to this concept of union with Christ, you will find it almost everywhere in the New Testament. And I think that's, I think that's true. So maybe you guys can, can help us out a little bit here. How do we see our union with Christ described in, in Scripture? What are some phrases that we might find that talk about our union with Christ? Well, you've mentioned uh, one of them as being in Christ and then Christ in us. And so uh, it, it, this is a doctrine that's so very important, and yet it, it is somewhat mysterious, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, uh, it's hard to get our minds around how exactly is our life hid with Christ in God in the heavens. Uh, what does that mean? Um, right. it, it seems very esoteric and mysterious, and yet it has huge concrete and very practical uh, applications for us as we begin to learn and understand what the what God is saying about our relationship with Jesus. Yeah, perhaps one of the best vi- best pictures of our union with Christ is that picture that Jesus gives us in John 15 as he being the vine and we being the branches. Uh we've been grafted in according to Romans chapter 11 into uh, the vine that is Christ and so we are sustained by that vital union with Jesus Christ. Yeah, John 15 is a good passage, too, because it describes uh, – Rich mentioned there's two ways we see in Scripture our union with Christ described, at least Christ in us, us in Christ. And John 15 combines those. John fifteen five, Jesus says, whoever abides in me and I in him, 
it is that, that bears much fruit. And it's it's not just a shared life, although that's a big part of it, isn't it? The vine and the branch share a life together, but they also share an identity that mm. uh, typically when you go up to a, a, a vine, a, a grapevine, you, you don't say, well, that's the vine, that's the branch, so they're two different things. They, they are two different aspects of the same thing. So mm-hmm. so, uh, um, so our very identity is wrapped up with Christ. And, and of course, even the, the very title Christian uh, would indicate that, that that's one of the titles that uh, believers were given early on. They were little Christ. They're so bound up to Christ that their very identity, uh, how others perceive them, how they perceive themselves, was wrapped up in, in Jesus. Yeah, most most images, most metaphors for the church describe that. Make sure we have that picture of Christ and and us being united in in some way. So, it's kind of two questions then for our our time together today and in, in talking about our union with Christ for you guys. Uh, first question would be why is this concept of our union with Christ why is it such a critical doctrine for understanding justification? Well. I think it's uh, vital for us to understand it because Scripture says that uh, if we are united with Christ, if we have union with Christ, it means that we have been crucified with Christ, according to Romans chapter 6, and we've died with Christ, so we have uh, experienced what he has experienced in order that we would be raised in a newness of life with Christ, uh, and and so uh, given that our sin has been put away by the cross and we have, so to speak, died with Christ because of our vital union with him, we have also been raised now before God with a newness of life. And so we stand before God in Christ righteousness. Being united with Christ means that we share, as Rich said, in the vitality of his righteousness. So we've been granted his righteous standing with God, our Lives are hidden with God in Christ, according to Colossians three, three. Yeah, if if there were no union with Christ, there would be no acceptance from God. So uh, you know, at Jesus' baptism, he said, "This is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased." Well, he looks at us and he says, "No, <laughs> I'm not right. well pleased." And so, how can we have the pleasure of God? And and it is the very foundation of our understanding of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Uh, that it's only as we are joined to Christ that our sins are taken care of. So how do I, uh, who am a sinner deserving of the death sentence of punishment for my sin, how am I free to be able to enjoy God? Well, it's because Christ paid my penalty, the punishment of my sin, and I am able to enjoy his payment I by can, being I, joined to I him. I can participate in his death. Right, exactly. I, I, I actually have paid for my sin. In other words, how did I pay for my By Christ, because I'm joined to Christ. So so through his death I and, and his uh, enabling me to unite to him through faith, uh, my sins have been paid for. So as we've talked about the gospel before, and we think about the different components of the gospel and, and what justification is, there's, there's no component of our salvation that isn't somehow related to our union with Christ. Even you think about election, right? Ephesians chapter one says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So 
There's no aspect yep. of our justification that doesn't somehow relate to our union with Christ. Right, from beginning all the way to the end, both election and then, of course, at the end, our resurrection. We'll be raised with Christ. So the very our very future hope is connected as well. So from beginning to end, election, justification, our sanctification, and, and our glorification is all bound up in, in Christ's person. And isn't it neat that both the ordinances of the church uh, help us understand that union with Christ? You think about the picture of baptism in Romans 6 and how we've been baptized into Christ Jesus. And uh, the, you think about the Lord's Supper, John six fifty six says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and, and I in him. And so there's that picture of our union with Christ throughout Scripture, even in the ordinances of the church. Right. The, he, is, he, is our, he is our bread, isn't he? He's the bread of life. And, and that those images imply we're, we're taking him into us and then also we're being received by him. I, I love Galatians chapter two verse twenty. It's it's such a powerful verse, and I think it it speaks very well of how this idea of our union with Christ uh, is a very present reality uh, every moment of the believer's life. Apostle Paul says, "I have been crucified with Christ," and and there's our justification. But now there's a reality that that comes from that. He says, um, "So it's no longer I who live." but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's, it's such a profound impact, this truth of union with Christ, is such a profound impact on Paul's life. He says, it's not really I who live anymore. Mm-hmm. The very life that I'm, I'm living is, as we talk around these microphones, it's not us anymore. It's, it's Christ who is living in us, speaking through us, and, and uh, uh, using us as his instrument. Well, Rich, that that segues perfectly into the second question that I I wanted us to think about, and and that is, okay, we've already talked about why is this a crucial doctrine to understand justification, but why is this such a critical doctrine to understand in order to comprehend sanctification? In other words, how does this help us live on a moment-by-moment basis? Uh, Justin Taylor, speaking of the union with Christ, says it's the foundation of sanctification in Reformed theology. It is rooted not in humanity and their achievement of holiness or sanctification, but in what God has done in Christ and for us in union with him. Rather than view Christians first and foremost in the microcosmic context of their own progress, the Reformed doctrine, first of all, sets them in the macrocosm of God's activity in redemptive history. Hmm. And Rich, you've talked about Galatians 2.20. I think that just that helps us understand that as we think about sanctification, one of the first things to understand is that our old self has, has passed away mm-hmm. and there's now a new life in Christ. Right. What are some other ways that this helps us as we think about sanctification, growing well, as, in godliness? As you flesh out that verse, Galatians 2.20, you think about the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. So what's he saying? He's saying that I make decisions on the basis of my faith uh, in the Son of God who Scripture says uh, all of God's promises are yes or amen in him. And so we can make the hard decisions, the decisions to deny ourselves, the decisions that make us uh, appear set apart from the world that we live in, which is, as Scripture says, a crooked and perverse world, by entrusting ourselves to the promises of God that may not uh, be full and and uh, fulfilled in this life alone. And so how do we make the right decisions, which is part of what it means to be holy and sanctified, to, to live differently, is 
by entrusting ourselves and trusting God and the promises of God. So, Art, what about a person who, as they look at their life, that wouldn't reflect that reality? We think about Romans 6, we've kind of alluded to already, that talks about, uh, you know, Paul asks the question, should we continue in sin so that grace may increase, may it never be? How can we who died to sin still mm-hmm. live in it? And then he talks about how we've been baptized in Christ Jesus. So how does the idea of our union with Christ uh, uh, interact with a person who looks at their life and doesn't see a union, union with Christ? What does that tell them? Well, it ought to cause them to uh, um, test themselves to see if they be in the faith. Uh, we would try to, to exercise care in being the ones who are examining them and accept that we would exhort them on to godliness, but not to place them in or out of the kingdom, but to give them the biblical picture of uh, what it means to live by faith in Christ and to exhort them on to godliness. Yeah, our, our sanctification is uh, as a result of this new life that we have in Christ. So, uh, you know, uh, John would write in 1 John five eleven, God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Mm. And so we have this life inside of us, and sanctification is that visible expression, that progressive growth of our, our revealing Christ inside of us. Mm-hmm. And if there is no revelation externally, uh, then you have to ask, is this life of Christ inside? How do I know that the life of Christ is in my soul? Mm-hmm. Life of God is in my soul. Well, it, it gives expression through uh, our attitudes, our actions, our words, uh, the way we live. And and so our sanctification is only a, an expression of that which God has already given to us inside. Mm. Um, I, I love also 1 Corinthians one thirty says, because of him you are in Christ Jesus. So he talks about you are joined, united to Christ, who became for us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So Christ becomes for us because we have him – indwelling us, mm. he becomes our wisdom. So how do we think about life so mm. that we can live a life that reflects God? Well, it's because of Christ. He becomes our righteousness, our, our practical outworking of, of the, the righteousness of God. He becomes our sanctification, the, this growth toward godliness and our redemption. So uh, Our old self couldn't do those things. That, that's exactly right. It would be impossible for us to have wisdom, to have righteousness, <laughs> to have sanctification. Uh, if we didn't have Christ, uh, if we weren't united to him. Good. I love the picture that Barnhouse gave in an illustration of that new life, that vital life in Christ, when he said that he was walking in this area in the spring of the year, and uh, without noticing uh, at first, these leaves, these old leaves began to fall off the tree and fall onto the ground. And they were old and withered leaves, and he thought, what is going on here? Shouldn't new life be happening? As he looked up, he recognized that the new life that was now coursing through these trees in the spring of the year was pushing off the old uh, foliage. And and what a picture of that sanctifying influence of our union with Christ, pushing off the old and putting on the new. You know, not long ago, we uh, our revived the drive revolved around the the doctrine of the church, mm. and so. Uh, how does uh, this idea of union with Christ I've been speaking more in of us as individually united to Christ but but corporately how how what how does this doctrine of our union with Christ find expression in our identity as the body of Christ 
That's that's a great question. I was thinking in Galatians three twenty eight. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. And so, mm-hmm. apart from the doctrine of union with Christ, there is no unity of the church. Right. And and we don't want to just think of ourselves joined to Christ individually, but when we think of the union mm-hmm. we have with Christ, we want to think of us together united with Christ, don't we? And it, it has practical effects, too, if we're going to say, you know, you think about First John, can you realistically say, oh, yeah, I, I love God. Oh, I love God so much. I can't stand other Christians, but, man, do I love God. Well, you're denying the unity, the idea of union with Christ and the unity of the church because of that. And that, that's very precious to God as well. In the story of uh, Saul on on the uh, uh, the road uh, to Damascus, when God met him, and uh, Jesus said, "Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me?" Mm-hmm. It's interesting because Saul was not around when Jesus himself was bodily on earth. He wasn't participating in uh, Jesus's uh, you know cursing and, and crucifixion. But Jesus, through his statements to Saul, was saying, I identify so much with the the people. I'm so united with the people that when you persecute Christians, you're persecuting me. Hmm. Think of uh, one other uh, practical effect of this this doctrine of union with Christ in terms of our sanctification and our life in God. I think it gives us great a great deal of confidence as we think about God as as our Father and our relationship with Him. First John four thirteen says, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us his spirit. And so as we think about the the gift of the spirit and the union we have with Christ, there's a, a confidence that we we abide in him and he abides in us. And that that affects us on a moment by moment basis as well. Yeah, and it's it's for this reason we we take great comfort in the promise, I will never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And and why is that? Well, it's because of this union that he has with, with us as people. Excellent. Well, thanks for joining us for this edition of Revive the Drive. We hope that this has been encouraging for you as you think about your union with Christ and the hope that's offered through the gospel through faith in Jesus Christ. (laughs) 